Hello and welcome back to the In The Round Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt. And joining me this week, like every week, is the nicely named Dave EFL Harris. There you are. Look at that. Oh, wow. A smile on his face. Yeah, Look at it. It's a nice... It's a nice start. You look like you look like one of those Make a Wish kids that's just met a footballer. Oh no, I'm not sure it is now. <laughs> um, and to his his right on the computer screen, at least, is sports media's number one Jolinton correspondent. It's Mr. Mike Breslin. Hello. How are you, good sir? Good. I've just watched the first half of Jolinton tear up Arsenal, so that's good. all right. We'll get straight into it. Mike, can we have the Jolinton report for this week, please? Yeah, he's been let down by his teammates, to be honest. He's providing all sorts of service from the left. <laughs> With Andy Cowell to aim at, what's he supposed to do? Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he's... <sighs> he's really grown into his role up north. Yeah, yeah. Wide target man, I believe they're playing him as now. I think that's what Bruce calls it. Mm. So, I've never heard of that before myself. Well, I mean... If Matty Longstaff's playing in a false 10, anything's possible up in Newcastle at the moment. Joel Linton is good enough to have a position. Whatever a false 10 is, crush. Anything is possible in Newcastle. Except good football. Except good football. Um, Speaking of um, not good football... um, This episode, we're going to talk a bit about um, Liverpool Man United. Then we're going to discuss the state of the the bottom of the league, um, the bottom five clubs, just kind of a quick answer about who we think is going down as we approach the mid-season point. Um, and then we're going to have a little chat about parachute payments after Mike had a, a heard a Mike heard a question midweek and he wanted to bring it to EFL Harris over there to see what he thought. But let's start with um, the big game from the weekend. Let's start with Liverpool, Man United, because as always, Sky, straight there, powering through, we're like... This is going to be the greatest game in world football. Yep. It's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. Carragher versus Neville. Souness versus Keane. Mika Richards versus A Quiet Room. It, it was just all the rivals were out there. It was incredible. Um, Mike, I raised the, I'm going to ask you what you thought of the game in a minute. But first, I'm going to go for Dave for the unbiased view. Dave, has a Liverpool-Man United game ever lived up to expectations? Uh, no, I'm not sure it has, but this one was genuinely difficult to watch. Is is how I'd sum it up. Yeah, yeah. Difficult viewing. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like for the viewers of this podcast, eh, Dave? Yeah, true. Um, Cameras like... one, so it's just a circle. It's hard <laughs> viewing for them all, really. Um, Mike, uh, this United joint top over the last couple of weeks. Finally got out, three points, a chance to go six ahead of Liverpool. United of old, the Fergies United would have come here and swashbuckling and probably given them a game. Um, what did you think of this? Were you disappointed by the approach that Solskjaer took? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Particularly when um, Liverpool had to start Henderson and Fabinho at centre-half. I mean, seriously, yeah. if there's one time you're going to have a go, you would think this might be your best chance uh, at Anfield. No fans. Freaking Henderson and Fabinho at centre-back. But we, uh, well, in, in fact, we were totally second best for the first half. Liverpool by far the better side. Um, Thiago pulling the strings in the centre of the park for Liverpool. You've got Shakiri who actually surprised me, to be honest. He looked pretty good. As well, I mean, we didn't even we didn't do anything in the first half. I think the closest we got was a Fernandez free kick. Zero point zero four xg at the half, just for the, yeah, the stats think, fans out there. <laughs> I think that was the only shot, which is exactly how it felt to be honest as a United fan. Um, obviously, brought on uh, Cavani for the second half, which is nice. And then he said he was resting Fernandez. I'm not sure how three minutes rest really helped, yeah. but yeah, it was odd, wasn't it? The worst um, thing about this game is they're going to have to replay it next week in the freaking FA Cup. So we've got to do it all again. Well, that's well, that's okay. I mean, Klopp probably won't take. Well, I was about to say Klopp won't take it seriously, but um, 
he played his uh, full team to knock out um, Aston Villa's B-Tech students. So, what are we going to do there? Um, Dave, for a derby, um, and make no mistake, this is a derby, it's a big game. Um, we, it was quite a subdued atmosphere. And for games like this, it, it really did lack that the 12th man, didn't it? It lacked the 12th man, but I, I mean... I feel like it's a, a common theme in most of these big games. Players have so much respect for each other now. There's not really any sort of, you know, the era of Keane and Vieira, for example, it's gone. You don't, none of these players really have anything against each other, it feels like. Um, like there's no real, obviously the 12th man would be important, but we're in a climate where that's not possible. So I don't really see the point in touching on that too much. But even between the players, there's no... It's no really like, yeah. There's no hatred between them, is there? But, Even though fans may, but may not like each other. There's no, there's no, there's hatred. no bite in these games anymore. There's, there's, there's been, nothing there. There's been no hatred. There's, there's been no genuine hatred between any of these players for quite a while. I mean, the last game you saw that actually boil over into genuine in the Premier League, at least to Tottenham boil over Chelsea. into was Tottenham Chelsea because those yeah. players really did not like each other, but. What I'm saying is, you compare this because this because like it or not, and yeah, as, no, I see, as, I see as unrealistic as it is that United are top of the league, um, this was a top of the table clash between two historic rivals that just felt felt like it 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 was missing a spark. And you just, I've, I mean, it was one of the few times I've sat there and I've been like, well, this game would I think really benefit from having a couple of scousers in there shouting at Paul Pogba. No, I mean, you are right. I can only imagine how good those Man United away fans would have been too. It would have been quite the atmosphere, I think. Um, yeah, obviously, Anfield is always a pretty loud place anyway. Uh, this sort of fixture, and when they're players, you could say, are a bit up against it with the injuries, playing two centre-mids at centre-back. I think the fans would really have got behind this Liverpool team to, to try and give them that extra edge. So, I mean... I mean, yeah, from that aspect, uh, I think that certainly would have helped. It probably would have driven the players a bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you are right. I, I think I did feel it was a bit flat. Yeah. Um, Mike, from a United point of view, um, what did you make of the team selection? Some some interesting ones in a, at centre-back and some interesting positions for Pogba and Fernandes in particular. Yeah, I guess the main talking point was Lindelof at centre-half. Uh, mm-hmm. When the teams came out, obviously Pogba in the team as well. Lindelof in for Bay. I thought that was a bit tough on uh, on Big Eric. He's, he's been playing well recently. Um, did make the squad, so you'd imagine he was fit enough to start. But maybe it was an injury thing. It, it can always be with Bay. And in fairness to Lindelof, he had a he had a pretty good game up against mm-hmm. the Liverpool front three. Yeah, the other one I guess is Pogba. Um, Apparently, he's been in good form recently. <laughs> never, never really turns up on the big occasion. Apparently. So, well, I've, I mean, I've seen him score a, a deflected volley against Burnley, but... <laughs> Sorry. I'm not yeah. sure what... So, yeah, he was in there because everyone thought he's played pretty well. Yeah. He was useless again. So, I don't know what we really expect anymore. This is what Pogba is. He's going to play well at once every five or eight or ten games, and then he'll just not be there. Well, he was he put, he was stationed in On weird occasion, positions yeah, out of the game. He was, he was in a weird spot. This, he played. This time. Oh, you watched him in the half, and he played left mid at one point, and he mm-hmm. played right mid at one point, and then he played central mid. And I was like a bit confused as to what he was doing. I thought he was better than Fernandez, though. I thought this was one of the worst Bruno Fernandez games I'd ever seen. Yeah, yeah Fernandez again. He's another one that he's done nothing against the uh, the big six since he arrived, I think. Um, so he's scoring pens and hitting everyone else for goal and assists, but he he can't do it in the big big games, which is where you need your best players to turn up. And clearly, Fernandez is one of those at United. Um, mm. They rely on him massively for creativity. Mm. But, I mean... That wasn't there in this game. 
apart from a couple of glimpses where Pogba maybe should have done better. I think I, I thought that I thought when I saw Pogba's name in the team sheet, I was like, I was like, okay, I, I see, I see what they're doing here. They're they're thinking that they're probably going to have a lot of that Liverpool are rightly so going to have an absolute ton of possession. So we need someone who can who can beat a few men and um, play a pass. And you saw it in the first half multiple times. Like Rashford got, I think Rashford was offside. What was it? Four like four times in the first half or something. I think it was United as a whole was like seven total. It, but they were clearly trying to utilize the pace they've got. So I, from that perspective, I didn't have a problem with it. Like I, I thought, I thought, well, you've come with a game plan. If it works, it works. But I just was like. I, I sort of, as the game went on, I started to agree more and more with Gary Neville that, like, you want you want to win a league, go and hit them. Like, they're... It, essentially, they were cut. It's like a boxing match. Essentially, Liverpool, due to the injuries, they've got a cut across their right eye. And rather than go for the kill and keep punching it, Ollie didn't do that. He sort of sat back and he let their trainer clean up all the blood. It was a bit odd, just in terms of... This would have put you six points clear at the top of the league. And although it is... It's the middle of the season, and um, I've talked on here at length about how getting a draw away at your, your rivals is the way to win a league. But I just thought this would would have been a massive three points in legitimising this title challenge. And it, it, as we sit here right now, it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity for United. I, I totally agree. That's that's the way I felt about it. I mean, a point at Anfield is never a terrible result, but the way the team that Liverpool had to had to play and the way the game panned out. You wanted to see a bit more from United, just mm. like you said. You, if you if you win at Anfield, you send a huge message to everyone else that you're you're here for the title race, which I don't think we are. But you could at least send that message for now. Um, yeah. To to probably Manchester City, who are behind us, even Leicester and Liverpool themselves. But we didn't do that. We just kind of sat there, like we have in a lot of the big games this year. Um, and in fact, I don't think we've beaten any of the top of the big six or Leicester this this season. So, if you're going to win a league, you're going to have to start beating the teams around you soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dave, mm-hmm. three games running, um, Liverpool's front three haven't scored. In this game in particular, they didn't really threaten massively either. It was a it was a bit of a Firmino's finishing was a bit wayward, but they yeah. weren't anything that was particularly clear-cut. Um, Jota's obviously out injured. Um, are, is it time to start to worry about Liverpool's front three? Yeah, to, to be honest. I didn't... Yeah, like, Firmino, for all the goals that he's scored and what he brings to the team, the shots that he had, I didn't think he hit a single one of them cleanly. Um, really strange. He actually had one good opportunity where it fell to him inside the box. And... If he got a good connection, he could have had uh, De Gea worried. Certainly Mike Breslin worried if De Gea wasn't. And, um, De Gea on the team sheet, I'm worried. Wow. <laughs> Instead, he basically, he basically just like miskicked it straight at De Gea. I, I think at the time, maybe Carragher or even Neville, someone made a comment saying, like, what's he doing there? Um, that summed them up. Mane and Salah didn't really get any clear-cut opportunities, I felt. Um, it was just, it was really weird. I thought, as well as, like, Thiago played, um, mm. they weren't really able to make anything come off. Like, he played some fantastic passes. He had a great game, but didn't really lead to any, you know, fantastic creation of actual chances, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of going forward, a bit flat. And... I. I guess Mike says like a point for them at Anfield's decent. I'd say Liverpool fans have uh, much to expect from this team. If you're playing two centre back, centre mids at centre back, I feel like you've got to be happy with a point, especially if it involves a clean sheet. But mm. Mike, I, I need you to do your fabulous stat of the week for me because it actually ties in. Can you can you run the intro? <laughs> Possible. Oh, it's, it's David's stat of the word. <laughs> I like it. Even Mike's internet's improved. Like so. it's actually really that bad. <laughs> um, 
So Will sent over an interesting one, but that's not my stat of the week. <laughs> is that in the Crystal Palace game where Liverpool won seven nil, scored seven of fourteen shots, which is very good yeah, finishing, very good conversion rate to say the least. Since that game, they scored one goal in sixty-two shots. <laughs> Pretty horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. One goal in sixty-two shots. They got a front That's three. They've managed. They got Timo Werner and Torres together. Would have got more than that. Um, yeah, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to follow up something there, Dave. Why do you think it's going wrong? Is it a case of, um, is it a case of fatigue, or is it just? I. Yeah, I think he's run these players into the ground, and unfortunately, Jota. Oh God, have I said it wrong again? No one would have noticed. Jota. Oh, well. Jota, maybe Jota. I don't know. Well, whatever, whatever his name is, Diogo Jota. He's uh, he was looking perfect. That's um, his name. Basically, for the rotation, <laughs> because he was performing at a high level. You can rest Mane or Salah, knowing that he'll step up. Now we've got Rigi, who he's Good just player. he he turns up in in big games. You can't deny that he has done, but he's not exactly consistent and. Even with Shakiri, Shakiri's been there like three years. Mm-hmm. He's only actually made fifty appearances, and I know some of that is a bit down to injury. No, yeah, but it sort of also shows at the same time he's not a level that Klopp wants him to be yeah. at. If he's only made that many appearances, I... so he is sort of forced to play Mane and and Salah um, every game, and obviously Firmino through the middle and. My thing is they have those play- younger players like Harvey Elliott's brilliant, but they had to loan him out to the championship this season. They some experience. Yeah, he's got he's got to be allowed to develop and, and play some proper first team football. Um, Curtis Jones is is great, but he's not really an attacking player. Um, Oxley Chamberlain with his injuries, I don't think you can really put him out wide anymore, uh, mm. and he hasn't really been used in that role anyway. Whilst he's been at Liverpool, I just think he's. It's baffling, like playing them against Mitchell and then also against Villa's B Tech students. Uh, I don't know why he didn't rest them there, to, to be honest, in those two games. But yeah, I, I think it's worrying just because they're not firing, and I can't yeah. really see any alternative to to what he's already having to put out. Yeah, I, th- I think I was talking about I was talking to a friend of mine about Shakiri today because um, we were saying that um, like obviously he sh- he was a big fish in a small pond at um stoke and he um he, he looked like a world beater not to criticize stoke but the fact of the matter is he's a <laughs> he's a big fish in a small pond and then you look at him and he's had two he's had two stints at a big club with um Bayern munich and inter milan and now a third at liverpool and he's always sort of ridden the bench at those clubs and that sort of yeah. that does that does give you an indication of how top coaches see him i mean he, he played he played okay in a bit of an unfamiliar role at the weekend i thought um yeah. but certainly i'm not relying on him i i did wonder as much as with fatigue i did wonder whether the problems are related to liverpool's midfield not being sorted and trent's lack of form like trent's got i think three assists since um uh, February of uh, 2020 wow. or something, and wow. I think that's a that's a big drop off in the quality. When you consider that so much of Liverpool's midfield is designed to get the fullbacks push on for chance and create chances, I, I, that's quite a quite a damning statistic. And Trent was awful in this game, absolutely awful. He had well, one good delivery was bad. Also, I yeah. felt well. I thought Trent was Trent was bad going forward. I mean, he and he was bad defensively too. Mm-hmm. Um, Aside from one moment, it, they're just—they're not right, Liverpool. And I think a lot of that has got to do with the fact that they've lost that ability to win the ball higher up the pitch because Fabinho and Henderson in this game as well have been shifted further back. So it's um, even more annoying, I think, from a United perspective that they weren't able to take advantage. Um, yeah, but according to Mike's pals. At ESPN FC, with Julian Laurent's head firmly screwed on, United Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's got United playing attractive football. I saw that and I, I winced. All right, Dave. Um, 
Mike's had to quickly jump off because I think he got so disgusted by talking about um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as uh, United for that long. But um, before we move away completely from United, I want to um, give out a Wales of the Week award, Dave. And um, it really hurts me that we're going to have to do this. Uh, it hurts me too, Well, to really honest. hurts me. But we, we, we have to apply the laws on this podcast. And Wazak of the Week is such a sacred, sacred right. award that we have to make sure it's given out in exactly the right position. So, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, Sir David Beckham is this week's Wazak of the Week. Um, why? Because he spent this last decade of his life building up a glittering franchise in Miami, into Miami. It's a great name. Um, club de football as well. Club, club okay. de football, it's everything. He's got... Um, Higuain, Matuidi, these players who've starred in Europe and South America and beyond, and you know he's picked to coach this new team into. To do you know he's picked to bring football to the states? He's picked Phil Neville, Philip Neville. Unbelievable! Oh, <laughs> it's it's just you can't get away with it, can you, Dave? No, you can't get away with I, it. I can't see it going well, even in the MLS. To be no. honest. No, no, it's a, it's a real shame. Um, speaking of real shames, what a segue that is, Dave. Great, we're gonna great. we're gonna go from the top of the table with Man United and Liverpool, and we're gonna go to the bottom of the table and talk about the bottom five clubs and just just get a sense of where they're at, how we're feeling about the relegation um, struggle as a whole. So I think the, uh, there is only one place really to start with yeah. Sheffield, Sheffield United. Um, bit of a <sighs> bit of a hands up moment again here because. We, I think we all thought that Sheffield United were probably in for a, not as good a season as last year, but we, we weren't predicting a season like this, were we, Dave? No, absolutely not. Quickly, with the hands up, um, I'd like to apologise to Will. Um, yes! And probably everyone else. Uh, I don't think I know of anyone's opinion that was actually the same. Uh, I defended Rian Brewster being proven to be not a good footballer and I've actually watched the last few Sheffield United games and I, I don't know what he does I don't know what he can do it's not what he does I don't actually know what he can do um, a particular highlight against Newcastle where all he had to do was head it across goal and it was a tap in and his header went straight out into the stand it would have hit someone if they were sat in there so you know maybe a positive that people aren't allowed in because they've been hit by Rian Brewster's misplaced header <laughs> It is quite after we had that argument on the podcast. Uh, um, so one of one of our friends did actually. I was talking to him and he was going, "I don't know." I don't, like listens to the pod and was like, just said to me, you know, he said, "Oh, I listened to your podcast." I was like, "Oh yeah." And he goes, he goes, "I don't have a fucking clue what Dave was on about." I think I know who that is. <laughs> I've heard that from someone anyway. Yeah, but um, that being said, obviously you've touched on there a really big issue for Sheffield was recruitment. They didn't get any of it right, did they? No. Um, well, obviously, Brewster, we've touched on. Jaden Bogle and Max Bird just don't yeah. look up, up to it at all. Um, Ramsdale looks... I yeah. don't know what's happened. He made an OK save in the Spurs game, to be fair. In fact, I'd go as far as a good save from Son, I think it was. Uh, or maybe Kane. I, I'm not even sure, but he did make one save. I was like, fair enough, that's actually a top, top save. Um, but he looked nothing like the keeper he was at Bournemouth. Um, not really sure why, because I didn't think Bournemouth had a good defence and Sheffield United don't either. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't look good. And obviously, when you had someone so reliable like Dean Henderson, it's it's a huge step yeah. down. Um, I think, to be honest, well, with this team, we may be watching one of, if not the worst Premier League team ever. Yeah, They just have... There's nothing going for them. Like, these players... They look like they don't even believe in themselves. And I know Spurs is a tough game. Yeah. They've come off the back of two wins in a row all comps. Their only Prem win this season. And you'd think maybe there'd be more about them. But honestly, it was the same that we've seen all season. Heads were down pretty much from the get-go. Oliver Norwood, uh, maybe a Spurs fan because he kept passing to (laughs) them. Uh, Jaden Bogle ducked out of Aurier's goal. It really had it all for poor performance. David yeah. McGoldrick scored to to get his fifth against the Big Six, which has him half of Sheffield United's ten goals, which is a pretty tragic state of affairs mm. to be in in the Premier League. I just, mm. yeah, I, I could go on and on about them, Will. Yeah, 
You missed that interesting one there, like Ethan Ampadu, who's a really promising um, yeah. youngster, yeah. has looked woeful all over the pitch yeah. from this season. Yeah. Looked pretty, looked poor in midfield and looked pretty poor at the in the other positions he's been in. Dave? In, in Ampadu's defence, Wilder's so out of ideas that he's he's basically started moving people into all sorts of positions. Yeah. To my knowledge, Ampadu has played left wing-back, left centre-back, the middle of the centre-backs, and centre-mid. Now, if you're going to do that with any player, they're going to struggle to really yeah. play in some of those positions. Uh, but to ask a young kid to do that, it's... I mean, what's he supposed to do? And... He's even bought fringe players like Key and Brian, and he, he's lit Jack Robinson. He's trying everything to get something out of some of these players, and yeah. for some reason, it's just not, it's just not landing really. None of it. It's interesting because fo- football is for for all the for all the absolute high level coaching that goes on, for all the high level talent that goes on. So much of the football football is a, is the mental side of the game like yeah. it's p- particularly with keepers like Ramsdale like you watched him at the weekend and he was just terrified anytime the ball came yeah. in the box yes yes he, he has no confidence in himself anymore yeah it, it is odd for, it is odd for me to see a Chris Wilder team be like this to to lack this um to lack like the, the almost the steel that we we've come to expect because we've come, we've almost come to expect that at least they'll be tough to beat and yeah. I think I don't. I think over this season they they have. There's been a few times where you've watched them and you're like, oh, they've lost by a goal, and you're like, finishing chances has really been the problem. But they are massively missing Jack O'Connell. Yeah. Both in terms of attacking, but also in terms of defending, because the other lads look a, a bit at sea without him almost as well. Like they were such a tight yeah. unit that just mm-hmm. taking one of them out has really been to the detriment of the side. I think Dean Henderson also. He yeah. got he was there when they got promoted and that last season I imagine he had such a good relationship with those defenders that they knew exactly what to expect from each other and where they would all be and obviously Henderson departing O'Connell being out it's totally thrown up in the air now Um, so I don't think that helps either no no and it's just it's just it is a real shame because there was such a good story last year but interestingly enough um Talking about them compared to some of the worst teams around. Um, we're talking that Derby, um, 2019. I want to say, was it 2007? 2008. Oh, smack bang in the middle. Um, got one Premier League win, Dave. Who was that against? Newcastle. Who was Sheffield United's one Premier League win? Newcastle. Against? Newcastle. There we go. Well, I can't not say this. Yeah. Derby's only winning goal was Kenny Miller, 35 yards. Do you remember Satanta Sports with Des Linham in, a, in like a burger van and the advert? Des Linham, yeah. yeah. Satanta Sports had that. Mm-hmm. They missed the goal because they replayed Newcastle chance like four times because <laughs> the game was so boring. Stoddard's <laughs> actual only winning goal wasn't even like seen on, on live broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to bring to you a new segment. It's Dave's Fact of the Week. There yeah. we go. <laughs> no, it's an interesting one. Oh, Satanta Sports, what a disaster. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, um, we won't go to Newcastle yet because they are further up the table, so we'll shoot them a bit of bail here. Let's go for West Brom at 19th. 11 yeah. points from 18 games. So they're they're significantly better off than Sheffield United, aren't they? I mean, they've got, so they've got six six more points. That's double the points. But yeah. leaking goals. Yeah. Um, they, they got a massive win at the weekend versus Wolves in the Black Country Derby. Um what I want to ask you, though, is because I don't know how it's felt for you, but since Big Sam's come in, aside from the result against Liverpool, it's very much felt like business as usual as we were seeing under Billage. And they might be playing different, but I don't feel like they've had the drastic upturn in results that you typically see from Big Sam. I, I think the squad's just... Yeah, I mean, I think we discussed it at the time. I think Billage, anyway, was hard done by, uh, by the board. Basically... He came out of a championship team, didn't really... Like, fair enough, they tied down players like Matias Pereira and Dan Garner, who'd been on loan, which I think is a wise thing to do if if you know that someone should work in your system. Mm-hmm. But to then not really give them money to buy any actual Premier League quality, mm-hmm. it's it's just... It just never goes well for teams. Never. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, obviously, Big Sam, I mean, whatever you think of his style of football... He's kept up like four teams now in similar positions. Yeah. He's, he's probably the best there is out there at doing this, other than maybe Tony Pulis. Um, 
And it, he, I mean, yeah, he got this result and he has had a couple of results, but you are right. This, they're not like a, they just don't look like a secure team at any point. You think every time a team attacks them, it could be a goal. And yeah. Sam, usually it's, it's like attacking a brick wall, but they'll play one ball over the top and they might snatch one. It just doesn't feel like that at all. No. I don't think it has the resources to even make them like a resilient team, really. No, because that's the interesting thing is that the weekend was they, they shipped two to a Wolves side who, who have been struggling to yeah. score. I mean, it, anyone, who's, anyone who's watched Wolves lately would have been surprised by them conceding a, a couple of goals. But I think I, I'm interested because I, I, unlike you, EFL Harris, um, I'm not a big watcher of the championship. So I, I've only caught glimpses of Pereira and I'm basing a lot of my... Um, thoughts on him over what I've seen this season and for a guy who they have spent a bit, decent bit of money on for a guy who's supposed to be West Brom's talisman he's he and it's a difficult situation for him but he's kind of like he's really underwhelmed me from what I've seen this season really weird because last season he was fantastic he mm-hmm. was so good reminded me of um what Matt Phillips used to be like for them when yeah. he was at CPR as well like one of those players that really turns it on in the championship um but yeah there's been a couple of games especially at the start of the season where he looked like he had the same sort of creation output but i think it's just this team they just can't really get on the ball and Pereira, as good as he is at running at people he's sort of one of those playmakers where he's like the killing the killing pass in like a a good team move rather than that guy that's going to give you like a, a telling free ball out of nowhere. And if, if they're not really getting on the ball, they can't really, uh, they can't really bring him back into the, the game as they'd like. So he can't get in the game anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would agree that at face value for this season, he, he has been quite underwhelming. Yeah. I mean, he did score two penalties, but mm. Um, yeah, it's not not what they've got him to do. He should be creating, and he just doesn't really seem to be. No, because I, I, th- I think it's a bit. I think there's the blueprint for surviving in the league for me has always seems to have been that you need to you need to have someone who's going to score you goals, but you need to have um, you need to have a, a bit of a strong back line, and they they look at they look a bit at sea defensively. And I, I'm just not convinced by their striking options. So you were sort of hoping that Pereira's going to take up because, like Robinson is is fine, but he's just an out and out championship player. Yeah, I thought just... it when Sheffield United signed yeah. him last season. To be fair, Carlin Grant, he has the potential to be a really good striker, mm. but I don't know if it his level will ever really be the prem. Like he was fantastic in a, a really poor Huddersfield team. I think he's still only like 22. Yeah. I think. So he he has a long-term investment for West Brom could be good, but for right now in the Premier League, it's not really what they need. I mean you I mean you'd you'd hope for him that he's going to get the sort of chance like Solanke's had this season for example at Bournemouth where yeah. he's he goes down they go down and he's the undisputed number 9 and he finally gets the opportunity at a lower level to really learn his trade in the men's game. Um I mean, he, he sort of had that with Huddersfield. Like, he's, I'd say he's a lot more proven than Solanke was mm-hmm. going into the Premier League. But, again, one season's one season. It's not like mm-hmm. he's he's got, like, a proper reputation for being, like, a goal-getter, really. So yeah. The other one I wanted to ask you about was um, Dear Garner. Because you remember, yeah. in the, you remember in the summer there was a ton West of... Went mad. Yeah, there was a t- West. The West Ham fans and the West Ham players were really upset that that Dear Garner was was gone. And I mean, West Ham's. You want to talk about re- dodgy recruitment? West Ham are right up there with yeah. sell- the selling of Haller as well and not replacing. But sticking to Dear Garner, he, he's sort of. I feel like he's he again has almost proven that it, it's not it's not as dead easy as for some of these Championship players to to make immediately make the step up because. For some of them, yeah, like you look at Matty Cash, for example, at the Villa, he's he's gone, he's stepped into a, a side and he's playing really, really well. And you look at um, you look at so take some of the take some of the, the Chelsea lads last year as well, like Tamori and Abraham and um, Mount, and they all stepped up really well as well. But for for some players, like particularly with the wingers, the really creative players, it feels like it can be a, a real sharp. Yeah, step up. I've. 
My thing is, it's, it's a bit like the same with Pereira for me with Diane Garnett. He was fantastic last season. But again, what I mean, West Brom definitely, as everyone saw, they, they nearly didn't get promoted mm-hmm. uh, automatically. They really fell off at the end of the season. But when they were playing well, I think what's so weird for these players is West Brom are a team that in the championship know they can go and dominate games, yeah. have most of the ball. They're playing at a level where they don't have the quality to do that. So they've gone from Garner and Pereira, I don't know, maybe having like five opportunities to create a, create a decent chance. But because they don't have the ball, they maybe get one, one, maybe two chances and they're not making that that chance that they would have made last year with more opportunities. Garner has been strange. I, there was, I think, one... I think it was against Everton, actually, when Kieran Gibbs got sent off one of the most stupid red cards I've ever seen right at the start. He's got an mm-hmm. absolute cracker in that that game. Um, I, I Honestly, I'm not sure if I've seen anything from him since, and I feel like that was maybe the second or third game of the yeah. season. Yeah. Um, I mean, a thing that annoys me with West Brom is I don't... Like, Bilic has got them up, and I think you look at their squad and no one... As sad as it is for West Brom fans, even and the board, no one looks at that squad and thinks they should be anywhere other than the relegation zone. I would yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, like I agree. yeah, they're, they're they've been underwhelming, but at the same time, it's it's where everyone thought they would be because they didn't bring in any quality. Well, there's a reason everyone tipped them to go down. There is genuine reason for that. It's not just everyone hates West Brom. Um, let's let's move on to another promoted team because um fulham um fulham yep. played um fulham played uh, the chelsea at the weekend played really well for the first 45 minutes mm-hmm. anthony robbins robertson i yes. want to say oh, i keep wanting to say robertson robinson yeah i keep wanting to say robertson who by the way if you didn't know was linked with ac milan good lord yeah. they yeah. bring it up every game so every single game yeah, but every time I watch Fulham, they're like, yeah. oh, did you know the left-back almost got signed by AC Milan? I'm like, give it a rest, Martin Tyler. Give it a rest. Um, anyway, uh, I was really impressed by Fulham. Really yeah. impressed. Um, oh, that must hurt you to say that, Well, No, like, yeah, Fulham are, Fulham are shit. Like, you're not a real club if you had a statue of Michael Jackson outside your man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll keep saying it. But um, I, was, I was really impressed, and I'm about to use some words that are proper football cliches, but I think they're the best way of actually describing Fulham is their proper power like they are powerful yeah they Throughout are the entirety of their sign they're powerful and Gisa, for example Greece is great um, he's even an absolutely great player decora reed decora reed I yeah he's a tank his name but he's like he they they don't let you sit and they'll just they'll just they'll beat you with power so like i looked at our i looked at our side and i'm looking at it thinking well we haven't got a lot of legs there we're playing Jorginho, which means we're already a man down. Yeah. Um, and I just thought to myself, you know what? There's a good chance that they just run all over us in a, in a physical sense. And they really did. And they're three at the back ever since they've switched to it. I mean, Sky Sports flashed up some some interesting statistics, but they've been really, really hard to beat. Who is it? Anderson, Adarabayo, and yeah. who's, the th- who's the third guy? Uh, I, 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 I want to do him justice, but I just can't, I can't remember his name. I'm, I'm oh, sorry, lad. Yeah, Aina. It's just Aina, isn't it? Is he not playing right back, or have they moved? No, into I thought the... Kenny Tete is playing right wing back. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe Aina. Have... Aina, I want to say Ola Aina. Sorry, Ola. I should have remembered that one of all of them. Um, but they're, they're, they look a, they look a really good side, and they're lacking a bit of quality up front, as proven by Cavallero's woeful miss. Like he just yeah. he just completely hits it with the wrong foot. But they, they cause Chelsea real problems. And you can see it not just in this game, but in some of their results lately, particularly against Spurs. They were great they, against Spurs. Really good against Spurs. Really they gave good. Liverpool a good game. Um they're not a they're not a gimme. I mean, unfortunately for them, they've they've got twelve points from seventeen games. They struggled they're not they're not a great goal scoring side. Um Burnley, who are in seventeen, they've got four more points than them. I think they just might have made it a bit late, but I don't know about you, Dave, because you, you always you. We've talked a lot about this in regards to Brighton. That for Fulham, as soon as they ditch this whole needless possession for possession for possession's sake, and just focused on what they're good at, which is having that that real power and that real pace, um, they look much better to me. 
They do. I mean, I never thought I'd say this because I thought, as he has been for their... Well, since they had him, I thought Mitrovic would be their catalyst. Mm. Dropping mm. him this season is the best thing Scott Parker's done. Yeah. Because it allows him to put... You are right, Cavallero. I mean, he scored a cracking header against Spurs, but yeah, he's not really not like an out-and-out goal, out goal scorer, which is why he didn't make the cut of Wolves. Um, you, yeah, like sacrificing Mitrovic will just st- stay up there for people that are going to run and press. Um, I can't really not mention him. I think Luckman is fantastic. Luckman's so good. Luckman is Luckman's really good, and he's got that. Um, it's again. I'm I'm going full football cliches. That X factor, that that little bit yeah. of magic. He's he, just got it. He's just got it. He remind he reminds me of like wingers that you don't really think exist anymore. Like he just runs at as soon as he gets the ball, all he wants to do is run at the defender yeah. and try try and get through or put put a teammate in. And I, I feel, especially in these teams at the bottom, you don't really have enough players that try and do that. No. It's just so direct. No. Um, and his, his ability, obviously, wow, he's good with both feet. So I can see why Leipzig snapped, snapped him up. Yeah. He, he's, he's a just, really, really good player. They're just, they look... Like it's they, they look, look like, dangerous. They look like a proper team now. The, yeah. To to credit Scott Parker, I was on his mm. back obviously at the start. He's he's ditched football that worked in the championship, and he's realised. Look, we can. I know there's players that have been there years, like Dennis O'Doy, for example. He's realised. Unfortunately, he's not really up to scratch for what I need. Michael Hector hadn't played well at the start. He's not really what I need. So instead, what he's done is he's changed the formation. Yeah. To try and cut out problems that they've been coming up against. And it seems to be working. And you yeah. to be fair, you've only got to applaud a manager for doing that. Especially yeah. he's recognised things aren't working, he's changed it and they look the world of good for it. It's adaptable, it's pretty it's, it's pragmatism, which when you unfortunately when you're down there is is what a lot of managers need. Like yeah. I, Fulham Fulham in a similar vein to Brighton, which we'll come on to in a bit. The problem for Fulham is they lack a real goal scorer, and that's going to catch. That's probably what's going to be catching them out because it's all well. You're going to have these good performances, um, and you're just going to essentially. Um, struggle. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, the thing that gives me hope, though, well, is that we've seen them play this well and get results against bigger teams. I mean. I would argue that if they had 11 men here, that they may well have got a point out of this. Oh, absolutely. Maybe uh, a point. If the thing that gives me hope, um, the thing that gives me hope is when they play these less teams or teams around them, mm. I would back them to actually, you know, make them pay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Whereas the first look round of fixtures, I, I didn't really back them against pretty much anyone. They've they've at least given themselves a fighting chance. Yeah, so. they. I'd, I'd say that's fair. They definitely have a fighting chance. Um, right. Let's talk about it because my uncle, um, my uncle lives up north, um, and his um, his neighbour is a stalwart Burnley fan. Mm-hmm. And my uncle gets. I feel very sorry for my uncle because every time he, every time I'm on the phone with him and he asks me about football and he mentions Burnley, I'm always just go, God, get him out the league. Worst place to go watch football. Terrible football to watch. Um, and this year, I think, it feels to me at least, Dave, that there is a legitimate chance that of Burnley being in a real relegation scrap. Yeah. Because, because we just talked about lack of goal scorers. Scored only nine goals this season, mm-hmm. least in the league. They're, um, they're, they are currently, as we speak, four, f- four points better off than Fulham. But... I just I'm starting to get a little bit worried. Are you? Yeah, I've. I mean, I think I've been quite vocal about it. Even you have, yeah. Yeah, I I thought the whole this squad was gonna run out of steam at some point, and I think this is the season where the the excellence of people like Ben Mee and um, Jack Cork, all yeah. all these players that have been playing above and beyond for years. That they're suddenly not able to do it anymore, and it really shows. Really, really shows. Is is this like we talked about small squads and the pandemic with Sheffield? But that applies to Burnley twofold, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean Ashley Barnes. I'm. 
I'm not actually sure if he's really even scored this season. I, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. Scored in the uh, cup. And he, he has to play him every game because if he doesn't play him, he plays Vidra that doesn't offer you the physicality of, of Barnes and he wants to play Barnes and Wood up top because they're going to win flick-ons and they're going to hold the ball up for each other and the other players. Vidra can't do that. Um, it's it's a pretty frightening lack of squad depth. A couple yeah. of injuries and, and they're in... Well... They're already in trouble, but they're in imminent danger, I think, if a couple of key players pick up some injuries. Yeah, because I know in the summer we have, we have real concerns, you, you in particular had real concerns about their, their recruitment and just the total yeah. lack of money that Dyche had, which is to be expected when you're a club of the size of Burnley. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like Especially this is... in this climate too, yeah. that can't be understated really. I feel like they're they just to me feel like they're in real danger because I don't think I've ever seen a team who, who really like struggles to score goals like Burnley struggled to score goals. They also miss them at fingers with Burnley. They they've never been a team to make an abundance of chances really. Mm. Well, your benchmark if Burnley are making loads of chances against you, you know that the team the teams having a real off day or they're a team yeah. that's in real danger. Burnley have been lucky that Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes, as much as I don't like Ashley Barnes, and even, Barnes. even Sam Vokes when he was there, they would play above the players that they are yeah. every season. They'd get more goals than you expect. They'd be pretty clinical. This season, Wood and Barnes aren't really firing. Um, I can't even remember which game it was, but I remember Chris Wood missing an absolute sitter at the start of the season. I, one of those where you just can't believe they've missed. It was, in fact, it was whatever game he scored an equaliser with. I think it was a bicycle. Play. Oh yeah, yeah. Missed literally an open goal, and then almost yeah. last kick of the game pulled off pulled off a bicycle kick. Yeah. But they just haven't fired, and when you're creating that little chances, they they have to take them, and they they're just not. And I'd even argue that they're not even creating the chances really. No. No. Like Dwight McNeil's fantastic, but because of the way Burnley play. Yeah, Neil, I think could be a lot more of a like direct winger. He's just not because Burnley yeah. aren't really like that. Um, I, yeah, I, I worry for them too. And yeah, they don't score many, but Burnley have been a team we've for so many years been like, yeah, they're solid at the back. Yeah, you know, hard team to break down, and I don't even feel like that's the case this season, no. really. No, I, the most one of the most interesting subplots in the league is what Dyche's next job is. Because yeah, who wants that style of football? No, it's 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 less that for me. It's just because because I think a lot of a lot of what Dyche is doing. The, obviously, I don't. I think if you ask Burnley fans, that there's not an expectation to play good football because they understand the constraints of the club. They understand yeah. that you want to play good football, you're gonna you've got to spend money. You just have to spend money. It's, well, and also, however they however well they do the season before, I'm sure most Burnley fans their expectation is still stay up. Like it's yeah. not let's push for Europe or, or whatever. Yeah. It's like let's just stay up again. Let's yeah. stay in the Premier League. But I mean that that's and that's the interesting thing. Like uh, what is Dyche's next job because we're no, we're all in agreement he's done an absolutely superb job at Burnley, like in be, a better job than I think any of us will will ever understand. But I'm just interested to what he could what the next move is. How much further up the table can he go? Uh, I'd also like to say with Dyche, he's managed to assemble a squad that I think is very unique. I don't think that I don't think that he'd be able to walk into another club and get any players to sort of, as a collective, fight for him as much as this squad does. Because he's, frankly, for most of them, he took championship players to being good Premier League players. Mm. And they're the sort of players that, none of them are fancy, none of them are flash, but they'll give you 100% every week. And even, I've seen people say that, oh, you know, maybe Dice would go to Newcastle, bigger club. He's not going to get that out of those players. Definitely not. So... Obviously, the whole Newcastle style of football, that's another topic we'll probably discuss shortly. But I, I yeah. really don't know where Dyche goes from Burnley if if he was to go anywhere, really. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating. Um, that's d- completely, totally stylistically different, this yeah. next one. Um, Graham Park was Brighton. Um, Dave's going to spend about five minutes in a minute trying to get him sacked. But before he goes... <laughs> I won't, I won't. It was... Big win at the weekend versus Leeds. Needed to get those points on the board. Five points clear of the job. Minus seven goal difference. Playing 
extremely well at times. They do play well. And they do play well. at this point, we're going to sound like a broken record, but they really do struggle to score goals. They've got yes. a real problem with that. Like Mopai had a good start to the season, but he's never been the same since Ty put that curse on him. Nice. Has he, Dave? He just never has. Not, um, but big win versus Leeds, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, especially I think with Brighton as well in this game, Leeds are the team that are going to come at you every, every game. They don't care who they're playing against. They're Leeds and they'll play how Leeds want to play. I think to keep a clean sheet against them, firstly, for any team is, is an achievement. Um, and, and given that Leeds are actually not massively far ahead of them in the league, yeah. though we're not going to discuss them here, I think it's, it's big for them to be yeah. able to get what they deserved as a result. They, in, they deserve the three points and they managed to actually go away with the three points and they haven't yeah. really been able to say that many times this season. Yeah, it was it was interesting, um, the game itself, because they they were really good and I, I thought it was one of the best displays of handling Leeds, I thought, because Leeds had had one shot at the half. When's the last time Leeds have had only one shot at the half, for example? Like, even the big teams have struggled to... to stop Leeds playing their game and Brighton did that really well um, they they looked they looked sharp that goal they scored it, if it wasn't for Ndombele that goal that Brighton scored would be the the goal of the weekend it was at, it was it was beautiful it was like it was proper like potable Dave you ready potable there we go we're, no, we're about to crown it as much as I criticised Potter I, I'll never take away from him that he plays good football mm. it's as, as I, I think I said when we discussed this before, I would rather someone comes into league trying to play football as Graham Potter does than than Sam Allardyce any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think they're um they're just uh, it feels weird for me talking about Brighton in the relegation part because uh, yeah. to, when I watch them co- compared to these the teams below and the next team, I I think they're they're a cut above for me. But like you say, Dave, they just can't turn the good. And the good play into results it's really weird with Brighton I actually just genuinely feel sorry for them like you look at all the teams down here <laughs> and no and you look at them and you're like yeah Sheffield United West Brom Fulham Burnley Newcastle they all deserve to be down here frankly Brighton don't mm. I, I feel sorry for them I'm like you play good football you don't deserve to be down here but the, you... the reality is you are down here and you're not you just... really looking like you're gonna pull out of it yeah not, you just... not put any distance between you and the teams below you just watch it and you're like you're like oh my god they and just they just can't put teams away they just my, can't score the goals my biggest worry for them is that like fulham and burnley both have two games in hand now burnley's more of a concern because they're only one point behind but the way fulham have been playing um i mean i have to admit i'm not sure who fulham's games in hand are. i have a feeling one's man city so it's not really a game <laughs> expect them to get points Having said that, they've been playing well. If Fulham can get even three points or four out of those yeah. two games, suddenly Fulham are actually only a point behind or two points behind. Mm. And when Fulham seem able to grind out results in a way Brighton can't, given that they're 18th, it then becomes a our Burnley going... It's between you and Burnley and Newcastle. And I mean, Burnley can always, even in these yeah. this season, you can count on them to grind a result somewhere. But, but you, yeah, but this is the thing, like we, we were saying, we were worried about Brighton last season and then they had that, then they had a run of form. They were and, great towards and the end. The, and, the, and they just, they just put it together and they were fine. Um, the, the thing is with, the thing is with them, their problems are the teams below in problems as well. None of them can score goals. So, mm-hmm. At least with Brighton playing a bit more of an expansive style, they give themselves more of an opportunity to score goals because they create more. It's just just, maths, isn't it? Again, I just feel sorry for them. They put teams to the sword, but the scoreline never reflects that. The amount of times I've seen them play where you're like, they they could have scored four today and sometimes they scored none. (laughs) It's not really anything like what I've associated with a bottom team. Like, yeah, Ian Holloway's Blackpool were sort of like that, but it was, yeah, they might score four, but they They were six. They were never this good. No, they they weren't. They they might concede six, whereas Brighton are a genuine good team. Yeah, and somehow they just they just don't get their rewards. It's it's baffling, really. Yeah. Um, we'll t- quickly talk about this last team because they don't yeah. actually warrant much discussion. But then yeah. I'm, I'm, we're going to 
talk about who we actually make our tip for who we think is going down at this point. Um, Newcastle, Steve Bruce's Newcastle. It's going really poorly up there in the north. Um, they're playing now, currently, as we record, they're playing the Arsenal. Don't know the yeah, score for that. 3 0 down. 3 0 down to Arsenal. 3 0 to Arsenal, who can't create. Bamiang scored twice from open play. Well, it's all gone wrong. So, this is this Newcastle in a nutshell, really. And it's also Steve Bruce in a nutshell. With Steve Bruce is now sort of blaming the players, blaming the fans, blaming the media, doing all that. He's going to get a cabbage thrown in. Crazy week. stuff in the last few weeks, Will. Absolutely yeah, crazy. He called himself a below average manager this weekend. I'm like, what are you doing, Steve? But he is. <laughs> yeah, but he shouldn't ever say that. Yeah. Even if he thinks it, he shouldn't say that. No, the, the thing is with the thing is with this team, like for for all the jokes we have on this podcast, that Joel Linton in the Bundesliga was a good player, and Matt so Maximin's a good player with it. I mean, he's not played a lot this season. Longstaff's a good player. They've got some good defenders. I mean, Dubravka was brilliant, and then they've got Carl, another, another brilliant keeper out of nowhere in Darlow. So it's just. The style is so bad. It's so mm-hmm. turgid. It's so anti-football that I look at. I look at like even compared to Burnley, I would rather watch a Burnley game than watch a Newcastle game. Yeah, they really are that poor. And I just, I just think that no uh, person, football fans aren't entitled to anything. But a club as big as Newcastle, a club with as a passionate fan base as Newcastle, they just deserve more. My. My biggest thing with this Newcastle team is, for example, you look at Burnley's Burnley's team. As we said, there's not really any you know magic there. It's all same sort of hard-working, nitty-gritty players. Newcastle have a basis that you could make them quite an exciting team. You've got mm. Almiron, St. Maximum, Fraser. I know he, he's gone missing for what feels like the last two seasons at least. Can be a good player. And they're Callum all Wilson. Quick. Callum Wilson, of course, yeah. is also quick good striker could have a really really frightening attack if you manage to get them sorted into a four then you've got good enough players in the pivot Isaac Hayden for me is one of the most underrated centre mids he's so good at doing the defensive work for a centre mid uh, Sean Longstaff's good Matty Longstaff's okay gotta make, John... gotta, gotta make the most out of Longstaff before he goes to his other career day <laughs> John Joe Shelby's good enough on the ball if he actually feels like playing um where you could have really good, you could have a good spine, and then yeah, yeah, Charles good. Kieran Clark's been good in the team. Kraft's not bad. Yedlin's actually been quite good this year. Jamal yeah. Lewis isn't bad. Yeah, Jamal Two Lewis is a good goalkeepers, as we said, they they have the. You could generally make a good team with them. You just yeah. could make yeah. a good, exciting counter-attacking, or or even even well, they actually try and keep the ball and attack. Imagine that. But this you is my do th- that with that team. This is my thing. That's so crazy. It's very easy to it's very easy to sit and criti- criticize like styles and stuff. The the difference with even Allardyce, for example, is you know what Allardyce is trying to do. Whereas and it yeah. works. It works. Whereas with Steve Bruce's style I now, of it doesn't really work. It didn't work at Villa. It always gets found out. I mean, I know he took them to a playoff final. I know that. But that's because they spent an unbelievable amount of money on that squad. They had a Champions League winner playing centre-back, for fuck's sake. I mean, he was in his twilight years, but come on. That's an embarrassment of riches for the championship. He was an embarrassment of riches for the championship. So I actually remember well uh, on that subject, a bit of a side tangent. I had a tweet that has horrifically backfired that season because Villa started off poorly. (laughs) And I did something naively like you just well, owed it up to everything on this one. John Terry, right? Obviously, they made the playoff final, and loads of Villa fans found it because I think I'd hashtag Davy FC to really, you know, get under their grill. Uh, yeah, some interesting replies. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, you're just owning up to everything on this podcast. I mean, well, has, yeah. the, has there ever been a take? Mike's good? gone off, and it's turned into a confession hour. <laughs> It's like it's, it's become almost like a fireside chat about the EFL. This is the most EFL chat we've had on this podcast for uh, for ages, isn't it? Yeah, a very long time. We'll just sit down and we'll do a we'll do a, without Mark. We'll do a power thirty minutes on the state of Birmingham City. Would you like that? No, <laughs> no. I don't think anyone would like that. No. Um, but that seems like a, a good point to to ask the question. Mentioning the EFL again. Um, if I was to push you to pick three teams, which three teams are you picking? 
to, to go down. To go down. Yeah. Well, Sheffield United are a given. Chef, yeah, that's my one of mine too. You see, it is strange even with the others because as bad as West Brom look, part of me thinks Allardyce has still got 20 games to get them doing some in care. Mm. Um, I, I'm going to have to say West Brom because I don't think yeah, their squad's good too. enough. I don't think their squad's good enough. Even though, even though they have games in hand... I'm actually going to put Newcastle as my 18th team because Fulham Fulham have things going for them. Sean Dyche can grind out results. Uh, I would back even if Dyche stays up last day by a point. I would back him to do that over any manager down there. Brighton play good enough football where they will reap their rewards at some point. Like last season, they could go on a run of winning three or four games in a row. It, it's going to happen the way they play. It, it will happen at some yeah. point. Um, yeah, I, as much as it's easy to say Fulham because they're they're a few points behind, I, they just look good. I'd, I'd back them to pick up more points between now and the end of the season than Newcastle. I mean, the thing for Fulham is, I mean, yeah, Newcastle played their 18th game tonight, so Newcastle have played one more game and they're seven points behind them, which seven points in half a season isn't a huge gap, but it's still no. a significant one. I, I, I actually um, agree it's with you on Newcastle. Burnley, basically. Yeah, they're, I think, they're the two that but, I think will go down. They're but the I've, two. They're the two I'm sitting on, and I was, I was, it's, it's weighing a better squad versus better manager, really. And I think, I think I'm going to lean that the fact I've. You've seen this with Bruce before. You've seen it go this bad. But I think the difference here is I'm not sure how quickly Mike Ashley's going to act and whether or not Mike Ashley would pay the money, like, for example, that West Brom's managers have paid to get in someone like an Allardyce who could probably steady the ship. So I'm, I'm with you on Newcastle. It would be a real shame. Yeah. But luckily then maybe Joel Linton could get the move to Manchester City he so deserves. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine Mike Breslin's face? What do you reckon he would prefer... Mike, do you reckon he preferred to see Joel Linton lift the Premier League trophy or Man United? I think it might be Joel I'd, Linton. I'd say Joel Linton, but if it, if he's in a city, if he's in a city, uh, that would be pretty horrifying for Braz, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'll get into Leicester. Leicester, there we go. There we go. Now, if Joel Linton lifted a Prem with Leicester, well, that would be. Are we talking all time? It would be a dream dream scenario for everyone, wouldn't it, really? It really would, wouldn't it? Um, but I think that will actually do us for this week. Um, so, thanks for joining us. Um, Dave, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? For more EFL takes and potentially bad early tweets about certain sentences. Yeah, yeah. I haven't made that gap for a few years, but if you want to scroll back and find it, uh, it's at Dave Harris underscore 44. I will be fine to get retweeted, get on in and around later. <laughs> so don't you delete it. Um, I won't wanna, delete it. If you want to follow Mike, that's at Mikey Breslin. It's a shame that Mike's gone because I wanted to ask him how the betting column is going now and the betting podcast is going because every Friday, Mike, along with a friend of ours, Mr. Henry Hodgson, they host a betting podcast on this same feed. So if you want to listen to it, you can do it here. But it, as much as it's about the betting, it also works as a almost like a weekend preview for a few games in and around the league. It's a great podcast. Um, interestingly enough, I wanted to ask Mike again how he feels about Henry Hodgson going zero for four again. Um, just being one of the worst betters of all time. And yeah, I it's, it's, it's quite funny, isn't it? I'm like, I'm like we're unqualified to the be thing, on. The thing is with him, like most of the, like not all of them, obviously, but some of the things he puts forward on each each week, I'm like, yeah, I, I get why you'd back this and, and yeah. whatever, but it just never really comes off, does it? Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have more fun with the betting podcast, you can do what I do, which is listen to it on Monday with the Sky Sports Scores app. <laughs> and then as he says, I think they're going to get a result here. I'm like, no, but it's, it's very good. And if you want that is, of course, on this podcast feed. Um you can follow me at Warhunt17, but please don't please instead follow us on Twitter and all the other social media at In and Around Pod. We're even on Vimeo. Um, and if you want to get some of our extended thoughts, including Dave's thoughts about the five things he saw in the Premier League, this four things he saw in the Premier League this weekend, you can do so at In and Around Media.com. 
Um, and yeah, that'll do it. If you've got any questions for the podcast, email us in and around media at gmail.com. No, just in and around pod at gmail.com. Sorry. Bloody hell, we're getting carried away. Will. Um, next week, Dave, we're going to do kind of similar to this. Um, we're going to do like a, we're going to do mid season grades for all 20 Premier League teams. It's going to be, going to be a good side. Um, we're going to find out how Mike grades Man United's title challenge. We're going to find out how I grade Chelsea's challenge for the Europa League spaces. I want to cry. Um, and we'll just talk about the, the some of these teams that we've touched on here, but probably in a little bit more depth. That's going to be interesting. So hope to see you then. But thanks for joining us this week and uh, catch you later. Thank you.